What the fuck is up? How's everybody doing? Everybody okay? Everybody's butt still hurt? No, I'm just playing. We're past that. Everybody's past that. We gotta stay united. Don't let them divide us, is what they say. No, for real though, right? Like, everybody can have different opinions. It's kind of sad. Everybody at each other's throat who has once joined this thing of hardcore for similar reasons. Because we weren't fucking mad at each other. Because we felt like we belonged. Now everyone's separating and dividing. It's not a good thing. Anyway, this week's episode is with our good friend, Brian, from Death Before Dishonor. Fucking one of Boston's hardest bands. The reason why I had him on, because I know that he... Um, well, I know he comes to fucking Detroit a lot. It seems almost a, any chance they get there in Detroit. You know, since they've been active again, they show up to show love because one of their uh, booking managers was actually out of here. Her name was Ramona from Black Iris Booking. She booked her tours and shit. Me and Brian get into it on the podcast. Talk about, you know, just fucking Boston music and his a relationship in Detroit. And, uh, you know, if I even go down the Boston beatdown road, man, I always wanted to talk about it. Talk about FSU and, you know, I find that stuff interesting. A lot of people hate on crews and talk shit, but I don't mind them. I think they're cool. A bunch of good friends. A collective of friends. Good friends who's got each other's backs. Basically just a family outside your family. How how can you be mad at that? It's a good time. I mean, everyone's always got something to bitch about, right? Who gives a fuck? Brian's a nice guy. He's done a lot for the scene, always active. Always putting on, you know, bands, you know, sharing other people's music and taking other bands on tour and fucking going around the world. So, if he ain't a Darhide, yeah, if he ain't a diehard, I don't know who is. I said a Darhide. <laughs> fuck you. What you laughing at? No, I'm playing. We'll just let you get into the episode, good times, fun conversation. I don't know, there might be some uh, edits that I missed. We lost connection a couple times, so who knows? Just fast forward a couple seconds, you'll be all right. Thanks again, share this. If you don't, get fucked up. I'm just kidding, thank you. Oh yeah, check out the Terror Zone podcast on Instagram. It is Terror Zone podcast for all updates and fun content. I need to get back on it. I've been lazy. Summertime. You might miss out on me quite a bit in the summertime. I'll do my best to stay. Stay, uh, consistent. Thank you, though. <laughs> I'm like, I don't even know how this shit works. I'm fucking doing it. No worries at all, man. How's the weather, man? Looks it's nice all right. I mean, yeah, it's not bad. It's sunny out. It's fucking 
still a little chilly. You know, we had a couple nice days. You know, spring's here, but it's not like full on, you know. Yeah, it fucking tricked everybody there for a couple weeks. Like it was like yeah, last year in fucking uh, in Michigan, it was like seventy five, like seventy nine degrees. It was great and shit. And dude, this time of year is always the worst because yeah, we'll have this and then there'll be like snow in two days and then fucking <laughs> who knows, yeah. dude, it's wild. Yeah, I say, I say, you gotta get out of April before you can fucking trust the weather anymore. You know, absolutely, man. Yeah, it's fucking it's the worst. I remember a few years ago, like. It was like April, like fifteenth. It was like it was like seventy degrees. Like three days later, we got like thirteen inches of snow. Because I'm right on the yeah, you know where I'm at. So you know, like it's like uh, the, the Great Lakes really fucks with the weather. Yeah, there. you get that lake effect, like snow mm-hmm. and all that bullshit. Yeah, I mean, we still even us being by the coast. You know what I mean? Like it'll be like I remember we had like a few years ago, like the April Fools, like blizzard or something like that, because we're by the ocean. <laughs> yeah, man. So it's good. I fucking I appreciate you doing this. I just want to say yeah. Death Before Dishonor has always been, you know, one of my go-to bands. Whenever I fucking put on Spotify, you know, found you guys. I appreciate that. Like oh four, oh five, probably oh four for sure. Because yeah. I remember seeing you guys uh, back in oh five. Man, you guys came through with uh, Ramallah and uh, I think Shattered yeah. Realm. Yeah, I think it was Ramallah Shattered Realm. Maybe even like Suffocate Faster was on that tour or something like that. Yeah, yeah, for I think sure. That was, it was that tour. Yeah, yeah, and. uh yeah, because Jeff was playing in Ramallah at the time. I remember that. I think Ramona was actually booking us. She did that whole tour, so she had to have done the show in uh, Detroit at that time. Oh, okay, yeah. So, like, even the dudes that I went to school with that were kind of into it. Like, I was going to shows anywhere, anytime I could, just because I loved it, trying to buy any record or tape or anything that was, like, involved in the music. Fuck, yeah. So, so 93, 94, how old were you? Were you just, like, a younger teenager teenager. yeah i don't i didn't i don't think i had my license yet so i think like 16 ish because like i would so i found you know that first show in boston that was my first real show and then there was a lot of 18 plus clubs in boston there was a rat i'd been to the rat so blood for blood there and getting to boston was easy i lived in i grew up in this town called randolph which is in between brockton and boston it's like 20 minutes south of uh of uh boston i always say brockton because brockton had its own scene for a while um and even at that time, uh, so Rhode Island's 45 minutes away from us. And there were a lot of shows going on in Rhode Island. So I would find dudes that like, I went to school with that had their license and whether they were in a hardcore or metal and we would go down to shows there. And I also like dropped out of school. So like there was an older dude with his license that graduated or something could go to shows on like Tuesday and Wednesday nights. We'd go to this club baby head in Rhode Island that would have a lot of shows. Um, cause they would play like that. There would be a show in Rhode Island at baby head that was all ages, but if that same show was in Boston, if it was at this club called Local 186, it was 18 plus. I probably could have got in, but I would tend to go to Rhode Island just because I knew it'd be no headache. So, yeah, I was probably like 16-ish when I started going to like shows full on. And like I said, once I got into it, I was like roped. I would go to anything I could. Anything that, you know, and back then you could get like, there were like magazines with club listings or you would actually call the clubs to see who was playing that week and shit like that. And I would go to anything that I either knew about or like sounded like a hardcore band. That's fucking sick. So I just, so what I try to think is you like grew up like sort of watching like blood for blood from like their very first days for the most part. Right. Like, yeah. 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 Like when I, so what was the hurt you demo? Maybe like 94. I forget what year it came out, but yeah, I remember the hurt you demo came out. Cause I like, there used to also be this local uh, college radio station on Sunday nights. They would play hard, uh, hardcore and like metal and punk, but it was called Nasty Habits. And I remember Blood for Blood did like a live set on there. And then I think I like 
before I even saw them, like I sent away like five dollars and got or like ten dollars and got like the hurt you demo and like a t-shirt. You know what I mean? So right. um, but yeah, yeah, Blood for Blood would play like all the time in Boston. Um, you know, and thinking back to those days, and this is like no knock on Blood for Blood, but you know, you could go see Blood for Blood in front of 300 people or 20 people. You know, I saw him at the rat with like all local bands one time and there just wasn't a lot of people. I mean, it's no different like now when Death Fortis Honor plays, like sometimes um you know we'll have great shows in boston but you play enough you know then it's 20 people come out because they see you all the time but yeah yeah so when i when i was coming up like the local bands were definitely like blood for blood uh this band brawl park that was uh very influential on me i mean they did some weekends and got out a little bit but they never got as big as like blood for blood but they did a lot of stuff around here and they practiced out of brockton and i ended up working with I worked at Domino's in Randolph and the, the drummer of Brawl Park worked at Domino's in Holbrook, which is the next town over. I ended up meeting them and uh, I already knew who Brawl Park was. And then he invited me down to like their rehearsal studio in Brockton. And that's kind of how I started seeing how like bands operate before I started my own band. Hell yeah. Fuck. Was uh was Death Before Dishonor your first band or were you know the bands? No, that? no. I was in. So yeah, in that time, I, sh- I tried to start a band. Like I didn't know what I was doing. And I had a band called like One Man Stands. I think they kept on doing stuff after me. I think we recorded like one song. I don't know. The dude that like started that band passed away recently, but I was always looking for that first song that I did. It was horrible. But then I was in a band for a little while called incision. And we did, we did a little bit. We put out, we put out a demo. We put out a CD. We did like some East coast stuff. And that was like 96 to 99. Um, Okay. Yeah. 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 And in that time we had at that time, this was, uh, I think the rat had just shut down and there was a lot of shows in a club in brockton called one two one and that's where we rehearsed that's where i met the guys in brawl park and actually one of the dudes from brawl park that was his side project um so yeah the span incision i did for a while and then we did incision to like 99 it you know it was my first band uh it was cool it was what it was and then when that ended me and the drummer of incision started death before dishonor not like immediately but he was the original drummer of Death Fortis Honor, and we started Death Fortis Honor in like 2000s. It was like the early 2000s. This year is like 21 years of the band. 20, I don't fucking know. 20. Nice, man. But no, we started around 2000. The first release was 2001. So I always say, like, we really started in 2001. So this would be 20 years of the band. 20 fucking years of Death Before Dishonor. Shit, man. Yeah, dude, time flies. <laughs> Yeah, I've been listening you know, 16 of those years, so. There you go. Enough. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, fuck, man. And I can't even count the times you've you've come to uh, Detroit or, like, nearby cities, man. You've probably at least yeah, 15, 15 times. Yeah. I mean, there was a period we were just touring like crazy. But even before that, I mean, I, I feel like we played out there, like, bef- you know, like, 05, we really started touring all the time. But before that, like, I feel like we played with Dogs of War one time out there, maybe like 03, 04. Like, we would do, like, even in the beginning days of Death Fortis Honor, we'd do a lot of weekends. And I remember, like, going to Chicago, Cleveland, stuff like that. We played this Arlington Heights Fest back in the day, and we would hit Detroit on the way through. So I feel oh, like yeah. we've always, if it wasn't Detroit proper, we've always played, like, around Detroit for many years. And, and also, like, I mean, we'll trickle into it, but Ramona booked us, and, you know, she does a shitload of shows in Detroit. So we were always have friends and just you know when you're coming from here going to the midwest you always roll through detroit yeah you almost have to well it's not like you have to pass through but it's not that right. fucking far off like the turnpike yeah, you, and shit you, you run exactly. through ohio you go, up, 
you go north, what, like an hour from the turnpike or something in Detroit? Yeah, exactly. It ain't shit, man. That's Absolutely. Great. Cleveland and Toledo and fucking. You know, yeah, Chicago, yeah. Cleveland a bunch. Cleveland. Even oh, back in the day, I mean, I remember one of our first weekends in like 03, Frank from um, Ringworm. He's in Hapery now. And he just like heard our band. It was like, it had to be like 03 because Trudel Death was out. And I feel like that might have been when we played with Dogs of War for the first time. I, I could, my years could be off, but we definitely played Detroit because. Three Gun hooked us up with that show in, in um, Cleveland, and then we did Detroit, and then I feel like we did like an Arlington Heights or something like that. But yeah, we've been going out to Detroit for a minute. Yeah, yeah. Was was Ramona like? Was she like your booker, like for like all your tours, or just when you'd come through here? Because I know you guys have like a there's a relationship there. Like yeah. So it started. It started like that. That tour you're talking about, oh five, oh six. Whenever might have been later, oh five. Might have been. 06, I, I don't know. My years get fucked up, but yeah. When we did that first, we did that Ramallah. We did two U.S. Ramallah tours. So when she did that tour, um, I think that's when I met her. Uh, my boy Mike Gaten that played in Ramallah at the time, knew Ramona. And obviously Jeff G did. And he was like, yo, Ramona's going to book this tour. You guys want to do this tour? Yep. And we had met Ramona. And we kind of all worked together on it. Ramona had a bunch of contacts because she had been booking in Detroit. And I know she used to book for Coldest Life. Like she had a... She had like a, a bunch of connections. We all worked together and we did that tour and it ended up being like really, really awesome. Um, she did a great job. And then from there, yeah, we just had it. She booked us for at least 10 years. She booked us for a while. Yeah. Like she was our actual booking agent aside from like just coming to Detroit. And like um, this was before she started booking like Trapped Under Ice and all this stuff. I mean, they weren't even oh, bands yeah. yet. So, yeah, yeah, we worked together. It was a great relationship. Like uh, she was awesome to work with. And I think eventually uh, she just got like, into a different age she she always did her own thing and then she got into a bigger agency and then we were just kind of probably not touring as much of the time but i mean still to this day i have a great relationship with ramona we actually even before like pandemic like in 2019 we did that uh black christmas she does there in detroit yeah man, um, you guys just showed up that was fucking awesome just random come on yeah. like, we weren't even touring man no no we just drove out we had <laughs> was well, awesome. like, well like you I'm said so we happy. played we used to play Detroit like, you know, so many times and, and, and there were, you know, I know we're kind of going all over the place, but there was a gap That's in Death Fort Honor between records and we were still a band. We were still touring like Europe and stuff, but we weren't touring the States like crazy. And then when we dropped that new record, Ramona's like, yo, I'm doing the Black Christmas thing. And we we're like, hell yeah. And it, it, it ended up being cool. I ended up having like crazy bronchitis. And we're like, <laughs> oh, shit. I lost you. I got you. Yeah, it was a cool show. Detroit's always showed you. us love, whether, it, you know, we're good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, cool. Yeah, yeah good, Detroit's yeah. always been good to us, man. Yeah, yeah. I remember that show sure. when you came through for the uh, for the Black Christmas. You had to uh, remind the kids, like, "Yo, this is a hardcore band," because there's a lot of punk bands at that at that Black Christmas. Yeah, <laughs> where like you some shit might happen. And it was cool, though. You know, it it was it was a good set. It was cool. Yeah. yeah, it was definitely like a mixed crowd, but like, um, yeah, it was cool. Detroit's always like you know, and I see some older heads to that I've seen in a while, and then there's like a lot of young weird kids because I know that. Like you said, I mean, what suicide machines are headlining, so it's like a punk rock type thing. But yeah, yeah, it was a good show. It was good to get back to Detroit because it had been a while. Yeah, yeah, we're always into like uh, in, in Detroit hardcore bands. Like I'm sure, like Cold as Life and shit like that. But was there anything oh. else that you listened to? Like what? Um, what I mean, coming up. On the way to fucking cigarette. You're good. Um, yeah, definitely. Like you know. I when I started going to shows in like the nineties, I was definitely into like heavier stuff. So I knew of like Coldest Life and that club one two one that I was telling you about. That was uh 
I actually got to see Cold His Life there. It was probably like 97, 98. That was the first time I saw them. Um, and that was wild, dude. Uh, I had just seen like, you know, I had the records and stuff like that. And then like seeing those dudes roll through, like just a bunch of sketchy dudes getting out of the van. And they had like a <laughs> bunch of dudes with them with like face tattoos. And uh, I remember getting like, I wish I still had it. I had this dope uh, Cold His Life uh, pinstripe baseball jersey I got at that show. Um yeah, I was always into them. Uh, I, I like negative approach. Um, definitely for me, though, Cold as Life was like that Detroit band, especially at that time, too. You know, like the older I get, I get into like a little bit of different stuff. But I mean, Cold as Life was like, to me, like heavy, heavy, like the real deal. Like I was in a super heavy hardcore. So that was sick. Yeah, it was scary shit, man. Yeah, I've never I've never got to see the that lineup with uh, Jeff G. So. I don't know, man. Maybe yeah. someday I'll get to see some, some sort of re uh, reincarnation yeah. of that. I'm fucking praying, man. You know, <laughs> I am too. It'd be good. You know, I mean, I, I you know, I, I have a very good relationship with Jeff. We we did those Ramala tours. I didn't. I obviously didn't know him when he came through in the in the late '90s with Coldest Life. I, I met him briefly. I met him in Detroit after that. He's always been a great guy, and like, I'd be psyched to see him do uh, something with Coldest Life now that he's out life seems to be good for him but yeah dude it was sketchy that club alone was sketchy there was a lot of great shows there but it was basically like it was in brockton brockton's like a really bad city uh it's a suburb city of boston but it, it has a lot of crime it's kind of grimy um and yeah we had this this right on main street there would be this rehearsal place where there was a bunch of rooms and there was a big room that, and the dudes just started uh they built the stage in there and started doing shows and like all types of bands would come through in the late 90s it was basically like carrying the torch for boston because at that time the rat had closed down we have a venue called the middle east that's been around for a while there wasn't a lot of shows going on in boston proper um boston has like a great history of hardcore and punk rock but it's also a college city so you know for every time you have a venue that's great like the rat was a great venue and now it's like i think it's housing for for college students like they tore it down you know what i mean so so boston kind of goes ups and downs with their venue so at that time brockton was like really carrying the torch and, and to see cold as life like so when you went into the venue you went into a hallway and there was a big room and there's only one door in and one door out the room probably held like 300 people and it's like i mean i'm still younger at that point there's like sketchy dudes it, it was a wild show there was a lot of wild shows at that place yeah fuck um so uh how was it like seeing like uh, the, like dropkick murphy's like did you see them too were they at like hardcore shows or just was it like a separate scene absolutely no i mean uh, one thing with boston a lot of the punk and hardcore uh there were a lot of crossover so you would you know you would go see blood for blood with the bruisers the dropkick murphy's yeah like oi and, bands and shit i'm sure they all sort of mix. yeah yeah a mix and also like dropkicks i mean dropkicks were a diy band i mean they're huge now but they still are i mean they they would play halls like you could go see them in a in a suburb at a hall with 100 people like i had seen them numerous times and um they would always you know they would play the rat a bunch they would always kind of play with hardcore bands or if not like you know if there was a show you just went to a show so you would see dropkick murphy's with like showcase showdown or you know just a bunch of like punk bands but yeah they were around um I don't feel like I saw, um, what's that bigger scar band that you mentioned? Oh, the Boston's like, I saw the oh, yeah. Boston's at bigger stuff. I didn't see them at that time. I don't know if they were like super active or they were just bigger at that point, but, 
Um, I remember seeing them at like a Hempfest or some bigger stuff. But yeah, drop kicks for sure. Bruises were around a bunch. You know, the blood for blood. Reason enough. Eventually reached the sky. I mean, and there was a lot of local bands. There, there were a lot of like bands that really didn't make it out of Boston, or not a lot, but. And also, we're close to like Connecticut, so you know you you'd see Hatebreed up here. You'd see in the early days, you'd see Death Threat. You know, I remember when Death Threat put out that '98 demo and they played Brockton. It was insane. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, even New York. You know, New York's like four out, four four to five hours. Connecticut's like two hours. You know, so we're kind of like we get a lot of different band bands from Pennsylvania. You know. Um, you know, even my old band, we started playing in Philly and outside Lansdale with that band, Dysphoria from Pennsylvania. We had a really good relationship with them, but there was a lot of cool bands coming through. Hell yeah. Like that's, uh, you know, like being like where you are, you're in a great fucking location because the, there's two bands from the area that I never, I haven't seen yet. I hope to death threat and blood for blood fucking never seen either of yeah. those. And they're staples. Like, am I even a hardcore kid? I've never seen that. <laughs> well, it's all, you know, I mean, it, it depends when you start going to shows. And then even if you started going to shows earlier, I mean, there's times where, like, you know, I remember when Blood for Blood, like, went on a hiatus. I mean, I, granted, whatever their, their status is now, but, like, even in their their prime, they would, like, they toured a whole bunch, and then you take a break. I mean, you know, there's people that probably been in Death Force Honor for, like, 10 years, and there's a span where we didn't go to certain cities, not for any reason. So it it's not crazy that you don't see them unless you're able to travel. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> Fuck man. Well, for sure. I was going to, a, this is hardcore last year. I was gonna, and I was yeah. hoping at least one of them bands, you know, some sort of fucking recreation. And then, yep, uh, yep. and Joe actually ended up telling me though, on my podcast that, you know, he's like, yeah, they were going to have, you know, blood for blood and Buddha was 50, 50 fucking going to be there. I was like, man. And the yeah, shit got yeah, yeah. canceled. Yeah. Uh, coronavirus man it's fucking everybody up fucked everybody up speaking of looks like a couple bands are starting to say fuck it look you guys are going out next week yeah so we got a we got a show in rhode island i mean unfortunately like it's outdoor and it is like covid complete like it's they could probably fit 500 people out there and it's going to be like 120 people because it's like a legit club and they don't want to lose their license and shit, which I totally understand. But yeah. yeah, so we're doing that. We're doing that show Friday with Madball and Providence Rhode Island, which is good. Like, I don't know if it's going to be fucking wild and, you know, I'm just happy to get out there and do something. You know what I mean? Because it's like, fuck, fuck man. man, and I'm going crazy, you know? Look, man, I don't tell you how, how crazy it's making me. I'm in Detroit, right? I'm driving to fucking New York that Saturday. To oh, I saw your post. I saw your post. Yeah. Hell yeah. I mean, that's good. That's a great show too. You know, that's yeah. in Thompson Park Square Park. That's that Saturday with Matt Ball and Murphy's Law and Blood Clot. And, Fuck yeah. Um, yeah, dude. I mean, it seems like things are slow. You know, it's not like business as usual, but there are shows popping up here and there. And it's, it's a weird fucking time, man, because it's like, I mean, I'm a fucking hardcore kid, but like, this is the longest I've fucking gone without. I would never think in my lifetime, like I would go a year and a half or whatever since like no shit. seeing a show, you know what I mean? Let alone playing a show, but see a show like it's wild. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's weird. I mean, in the past, you know, seven years, I've gone a year just because life got busy as fuck, but absolutely, it's, absolutely. It's still because it's not there. It's like motherfucker, you know, now yeah, you're it's not like, life takes, you know, you get busy in life, you get busy in life, yeah. right? You have other priorities, but now like, it's not even your choice. Like you can't, there ain't shit. You know what I mean? It gets taken yeah. away from you. And then it's like, damn, you take it for granted, you know, not you, but I'm just saying like, even myself, like, you know, I'd come home from tours and be like, ah, oh, miss show, miss this show, miss this show. Now I'm like, fuck, man, you take yeah. that for granted. 
Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Everybody does, and I think, you know, that could possibly be some sort of, you know, bigger resurgence for when shit's back open, and a lot of people who haven't came out will. I think so, man. I, even that Rhode Island show. I mean, granted, there was only 120 tickets, but it showed it sold out in like no time because I think people are like. You know, regardless of your views or everything like that, no matter what, people are like stirred up. Plus, like, I mean, this is like our outlet, right? Like, you know, yeah. hardcore punk rock. It's it, it's always it always has been, always will be an outlet. Like, even if you stray away from shows a little bit, but it gives you that like, like you said, like you know, you miss it and you're like, damn, I couldn't have it. And yeah, hopefully, it it gets people out when you can get out there and support the bands and support the shows, so we can, I don't know, come back strong. You know. Yeah, yeah, man. Like it sounds not cliche or cheesy. It just sounds like the truth. Like it just come back like, bigger and better than ever. Fucking shows packed like to how they used to be. You know, absolutely, and, man. And it seems like everybody's a little more, maybe a little more happier. You know, a little less. You know, yeah. conflicts. So that'd be. It'd be nice, man. Now you're right. Like you know, all the dumb. Forget about the dumb bullshit. If we all love this music, like go out, support it, support bands, and like even support venues i mean like you know even those we take for granted sometimes and it's like yo this people out of work you know you see venues closing left and right we already deal with that as it is of like <clears throat> being hardcore and punk rock you know you you go through phases where like oh no more hardcore shows here or this club's gone because it's always like you know some dive fucking bar and it's like well now yeah. a lot of these places can barely survive so even if it's just supporting the fucking club that's why even this like rhode island show like granted it's like you know to me it's kind of awkward if there is like restrictions, like as far as playing a hardcore show, but overall it's like, get out there, play the show. It helps like get people out and it helps support the venue and the bands too. You know? Yeah. You know, just sort of, you know, fucking mental health of 120 fucking people. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. You know, just human contact, having a good time. You know, normal out. four hours, you know, something. Exactly. No, you're hundred percent right, man. That's crazy. It's it's accepted. And that's why I'm going to fucking New York, man. I was like, oh yeah, this dude. never happen again. It, like, yeah. like it's possible for it to happen again. So it's right, just gonna be right. cool to be there. Yeah, that'll be a dope show too. So yeah, definitely uh check that out for sure. Yeah. You're not gonna follow up? You're gonna you're just going back home? Uh I know my I have a wed I actually have a wedding to go to that night. So unfortunately uh, I can't go, but I know my bass players are going out there. Um this dude's heading out there for sure. But yeah, I, a very close friend of mine is getting married that Saturday. So unfortunately, yeah, other hey. priorities. But at least I get the Friday show. So. Yeah, uh, yeah, for sure, for sure. But, you know, that's... And I'm hopeful, like, you know, else. as we're getting into the summer and stuff like that, and you, you know, if you look around, you see a little more shows being announced here and there, some outdoor stuff. So hopefully, like... And you see some of these, like, bigger festivals announced, like, for later on this year like in the fall and stuff so hopefully man things kind of get back to normal i know it's like easier said than done but hopefully this leads into more stuff to happen you know what i mean for sure yeah how is like the um restrictions like in massachusetts like or or even boston area it was, stuff? Is it, you guys got restaurants it, or and shit like that yeah 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 <laughs> boston's huge on the restaurants it, it was tough for a while but the last few months they've like um opened up quite a bit i mean you still gotta like wear masks into them but now i think uh i think the restaurants are actually open at like full capacity um you can't it's not just wild style like you gotta you gotta wear a mask to your table um i think they only let you sit with like x amount of people but it is definitely open up more and more like the you know even the sporting teams are allowed to have like 
fans in the stand at like a certain percentage. And I think later this month, they're supposed to like start doing some live events at a percentage. You know what I mean? Um, but it was pretty strict for a while, man. I and mean, we, were, we were locked down, you know, I mean, everything was like takeout. The, the only thing that was open were like supermarkets and, you know, Walmart and shit like that. <laughs> it's so fucking weird. Still. I mean, I will say even at the, even last summer, um, they did shut down like a lot of the streets in Boston. So some of these restaurants could have like outdoor seating and they let you do that during the summer last year. I remember that. And then came in like, once you get in the fall and winter, it's fucking freezing out. So that was wrap. But, uh, but yeah, the, it, it feels a little more like normal. We're not there yet, but it's definitely, it's definitely better. Like my wife works for a uh, uh, Boston public schools and they've been remote and they go back. She goes back uh, in two weeks and kids okay. are getting back into school. So okay. yeah, we're slowly like getting there, you know, hopefully it stays, stays the course. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, it was weird with my kids, you know, cause uh, one's in seventh grade or eight the other ones in fucking first grade so they went back in uh, december they went for like okay. two weeks and then they took them out for like for like three weeks they're like all right well we'll yep. go back and it was back and forth back and forth up until yeah, i think the, uh, the uh, beginning of march and then it's been like full time but now okay. like it's it's weird like you know because it's still half the capacity at the school is a lot of people that aren't sending their kids you know because you have right whole, right people are nervous yeah. Kids. yeah yeah which is Fine, whatever you got fucking yeah people, absolutely you know, it's everybody you know, has a different thought it's hey whatever you gotta yeah, do it's you know fucking you know a year later it's definitely well, weird though it's weird time for you know yeah. i don't have kids so i don't have to deal with that but it's definitely weird for kids and just people in general man it's just a it's wild i mean you got to think about it we've never dealt with anything like this in our life so you know i i'm not like this like PMA, like, I don't know. I mean, I work when I'm home, you know, I don't tour like I used to. So, and I've been working throughout this whole thing. So I kind of just, I don't know, try not to overthink it. Cause it'll fucking drive me crazy. Like the fact that I can't get out there and play or go see a show, but you know, like I said, I just feel, I feel better right now than I did a year ago. Cause I, a year ago I was like, dude, we're fucked. And now I'm like, I don't know. There's a light somewhere. I don't know how I'm trying to be positive, but not overly positive because that's the way my luck goes. But hopefully, hopefully we just get to a fucking better spot sooner than later, you know? Yeah, man. It seems like everybody is sort of just at the end of it, you know, and just watching, you know, waiting Absolutely. for them to fucking you know, give the green light to just, I don't know. Yeah, I hear you. Do whatever like the fuck you want. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. Yeah being like under control you know that's not what i'm saying but it's like Ugh. no i know what you mean yeah it's like no matter what no matter how you look at it like you, even if you mentally are like oh i'm gonna do whatever i want i mean there's oh i think i lost you i have you now all right uh no, no it's all good I'm also like sitting on my porch, so it might be a little bit better on, uh, anyways, but what I was saying was, I mean, you're not wrong as far as like, you know, the word control. Cause you can't do certain things that you used to be able to do. You can't go to your favorite bar. You can't go to, you know, your favorite restaurant or whatever. So it does suck. You know, there is a control to it. Even if you try to like go kick it with your friends or whatever, there's certain things you can't do, you know? Yeah. Fucking horse shit. It's a weird <laughs> but- feeling, man. It's a weird feeling. It's a weird time. All that stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, and, and you know, aside from however anybody else feels about it, and just everybody's in the same situation, can't just lost you again. 
Yeah, no, it's all good. I can. I didn't realize I can just uh, click like pause recording and, and, then, and then start uh, so, back up. Yeah, right, yeah, cool. it's like fucking nothing happened. I don't even cool. know where we were. We, oh yeah, talking about coronavirus and blah blah fucking blah. Done here yeah. about that shit. <laughs> I hear you, man. I hear that hundred percent. But uh, I don't know. So I don't know. We gotta get a little bit of you know a little deeper into you know, the Boston hardcore history. Sure. Or at least what I know about. I'm talking about like, okay. I'm talking about FSU. You okay. don't mind, right? Okay. No. I mean, I don't well, bash on Cruz. I don't have nothing. I like, I've always envied them in a way because I thought like from my perspective, what I've seen was either like a brotherhood or a a whole group of, of, of friends that are completely loyal and respect and honor absolutely. each other. You know, and I always thought that was a good thing. Like, how and when, like, did you make a decision? Like, how was, how did you know them guys, and how were you, like, influenced to, you know, become part of it? Uh, they, they were just like a staple. They've always been a staple in Boston. So growing up with it, that was like, you know, I mean, it, it, I look at it like this: like, you know, you go to shows, and then you build friends from going to shows, right? And you build like a camaraderie, and like some of those people come and go. I mean, it's it's kind of no different than that in a basic way. Like, you know, I've been going to shows, and those dudes have always been around, and you know, you start hanging with those dudes and those are your friends. I mean, it's just, you know, it, it, it's almost like an organic thing more than, um, you know, organized. Yeah. Yeah. Like it seems like this or that. It's just like, yo, when you start kicking it with people and it's not like just start, right? Like you go to shows, you don't know people and then you start meeting people and then you, you either do or don't build friendships with people. Right. So that's really what it comes down to, like in the lame term of things. And, and and those dudes, you know, been going to shows in Boston since the eighties, like they're a staple, whether they're in bands or at shows or even like doing security or like, you know, totally involved in stuff. So, you know, there's always like the, the, the wild element of things that, I mean, there's good and bad that comes with everything. Right. So it's like hardcore, right. There's positive things in hardcore and then there's negative things, right. Sometimes fights happen at shows, which, it's counterproductive right you know what i mean that shit sucks and or like the inclusive like that's why it's tough like you know people have asked me questions about that or just you know or like you know you had mentioned the test text like boston beatdown and stuff like that it's all a time and a place and i don't mean like a brotherhood or something i just mean like you know growing up in boston it's kind of like a staple so um it's not like oh man i want to it's not necessarily like, yo, I want to be these dudes or this. Like, I don't know. You, you just become friends with people. It, like I said, it's really organic here. And then, I mean, Boston does have like, it, it's always had this like violent element to it. And a lot of it, in my opinion, really didn't, even though stuff happened at shows, as I said before, Boston's a very, it's a college city. So you would get a lot of weird people straggling into shows that kind of aren't there for the show, right? They just show up, they're idiots. They're trying to start a problem and they, don't care about the hardcore scene and that's where i think some of the uh violent element at least of my time in boston of things i've seen growing up or whatever at shows if that makes sense you know what i mean oh yeah 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 totally because you know even uh, a couple places i seen you guys in detroit that was like right on the border of like a campus right 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 you right. know of uh, wayne state so sometimes it'd be just you know we'd be hanging out outside or even you know whatever and you get some random weird. Fucking pop off at the mouth and, and, and that's one thing with boston boston's like you know if you go 
Boston's known for people being kind of assholes. You know what I mean? So if yeah, you're for like, sure. I love it though. I fucking love the whole sentiment, you know, for sure, <laughs> crazy for sure. Irish fucking fighters. <laughs> yeah. But you know, people kind of have an edge. So if you're just hanging out in Boston, I mean, someone could just be rude to you. So, you know, and also there was a period of time too, where a lot of the shows that were happening were like right by Fenway park, right? Like there was a street called Lansdowne street where bills bar axis. And now it's like a house of blues, but I mean, it'd be hardcore shows. Right. So, um, you know, people, you got the Fenway Park lets out a bunch of fucking drunk fucking people looking at a bunch of tattooed people talking shit fights happen. So, you know, like, you know, like I said, when you asked me about like the Boston beatdown, like a lot of that stuff, granted, some of the stuff is dumb shit that happened at shows, but a lot of that stuff was really, and at the time, I don't know if you remember, but it was like bum fights was a fucking cool oh, yeah. thing. And it was yeah, a DVD yeah, yeah, with yeah. like fights. Right. So we're hanging out on, on Lansdowne street and there's fights all the time. So people are just uh, videotaping craziness. And obviously with hardcore being very aggressive and stuff like that, like it, it ties into that. But um, yeah, that, that's what I mean. Like Boston always had like kind of this weird attitude. And I think it, it trickled a little bit, especially like in that, in that period, in the, in the mid two thousands, you know what I mean? Things were just a little bit wild then or early two thousands. Um, it, it was probably like that in the early eighties. I wasn't there for that. You know, you hear stories and stuff like that. Um, you know, I mean, Boston has an edge to it. I think people like mosh heavy or hard or like, you know, the, the, the energy at a live show gets pretty wild. It's always been like that. Um, but growing up here, it's like second nature. You know, you, you're from Detroit area. I'm sure there's this, this peaks and valleys when Detroit, you're like, oh, these shows are wild as shit. You know what I mean? I've even seen some <laughs> of them. Um, and you know, Detroit has like their dudes that have been going to shows forever that are all close friends, probably because they came up together and they kick it with each other. And you're right. Like there's an element of just like, you know, the cliche loyalty, brotherhood, all that stuff. But I mean, it's my friends, you know what I mean? So yeah. No, no, I know. I know. But I'm just saying like to, to the public, you know, like for sure. But in late in for sure in layman's terms, I mean, it's really just, those are my friends, you know, from, from going to shows for years <laughs> yeah. and, and being around and like yeah. now kind of being the older dude, uh, just going to shows or being of now I'm getting older, but going to shows for what, 25 years or something like that, you know, um, you know, and I still go to shows, you know, I, we're founded in like hardcore, you know, you know, just try to go to granted, not in the last year, but cause coronavirus, but we try to go to shows and just hang out and just do our thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's uh like so history behind that. Like I remember sometime was it like really like were you there for like for the fighting of like the Nazis and the skinheads and the racist people coming to show? Is that a little bit before no. you? Yeah, that was before me. Like luckily, like, you know, a credit to like older guys in in the Boston scene. Like, I mean, there there was that element. And I think I think a lot of scenes dealt with that in like the mid to late eighties. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I didn't start going to show, you know, I, I would see a little bit here and there you know what i mean um but really like and granted i wasn't there for it you know you hear the the the, the legacy of things that happened but luckily for like the older generation of guys in boston uh going to shows aside from just like my come to be friends just like you know dudes that really cared about hardcore i mean they got rid of those assholes because there was a time and a place where like i don't know if it was accepted but i mean that's you know you hear stories about like the 80s and like those people just kind of gravitated to heavy music. So, you know, and then people didn't want to put up with their beliefs. So 
that definitely like, like I said, I, I had heard of it being a huge problem in Boston at some point. And, you know, ever since I've been going to shows, like it, it would be it's totally insane, not accepted. insane <laughs> to see somebody like it would blow your mind if you're like, oh, you'd be like, what? Yeah. Like, where's so, the cameras? I mean, what the fuck? So, I mean, you know, there's something to be said about like, uh, you know, how, how Boston hardcore like handled things in the mid to late eighties. So, I mean, people know that's not accepted. And, and, and like I said, I mean, granted we're not in the middle of nowhere and it's not a lot of sketchy dudes from the woods that fucking God knows what they believe, but like things are good, man. We don't, we don't really have to deal with that. Luckily. So. Um, yeah, no, not here at all for sure. It'd, it'd be dealt with fucking quick. Exactly. You know, it's weird. They like, had to like weed them out, man. Like, it's yeah, weird. I, it's a weird thing. I think that, you know, when I listen to other bands and people from that time or just like older friends, it, it, like it was just a different time, man. It, uh, the world was weird and, and heavy music just kind of like pulled everybody in, right? There's, there's aggression in it. it, it it's just a weird subculture. So people would venture out and think like, oh, this is cool. And, have some crazy ass beliefs and be like, nah, dude, that's just not welcome here. You know what I mean? No, Especially no. to think like a lot of founding bands in hardcore are like, you know, I think of like Agnostic Front, like Rogers and Immigrant, you know what I mean? Um, and mm -hmm. I know for them, they had to deal with a lot of that stuff uh, in the eighties, you know what I mean? Playing like Texas and shit like that. But yeah, it's just a weird time in a, in a, I guess luckily we don't have to deal with that. You know what I mean? I'm not saying I oh, haven't yeah, seen yeah. that. I, you know, I'm I'm sure I've seen a little bit of that. I know I have, like, you know, touring the world and playing some weird places. You come across some weirdos that, you know, we had to deal with that in our time, you know, because I don't you know, I, I don't really care what people believe. That's not my fucking business, but you know, that type of shit it shows is just unacceptable. Fuck yeah, it is. But uh, well, even in 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 the Boston beatdown, fucking you now the videos that's mentioned, you know, like racism yeah. will get fucking. You will know that is not tolerated real fast. And there's a you know I haven't seen that DVD in years, and I'm I like, love it. I mean, I watch it every couple months. It's on YouTube. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I watch bump fights every other month too. Who gives a fuck? Right, right. It's definitely, and you know, I'll say this: like for the time it came out, it was a it was a weird time. You know, it there's a lot of. You know, you have to glorify I mean, it though. Make that clear. It's just you know, lots of no, shit going on. Yeah, I will say this too though. Like I'll say, like a lot of the conversation in there, and there's a lot of older guys from Boston that speak on there. Um, yeah, hell yeah, I do think some of the message there is cool. Like you know that that was it is true. I just think that like some of like the quote unquote fighting was just like definitely for like I'm not saying it wasn't happening too, but it was definitely for like extreme viewing pleasure you know what i'm saying it's like yo, yeah. we got all the wild shit and and and, and I, i've been around the world and people be like oh boston beat down and obviously like i'm not dogging it i'm not like yeah everybody should beat everybody up a show like that's counterproductive but it was a time and a place of what was going on in boston it was kind of wild like i said like if you were hanging out on lansdowne street in those times and like a hardcore show would get out on a monday night because back in the day too the the shows would be over by like nine o'clock so they could let because once again it's a college town so they want to let like the the dance club in right oh, yeah. uh because that makes them money the hardcore shows aren't making these clubs money right so if there was a show at bill's bar on a monday night or forget a monday night say there was a show at axis on on a thursday they'd have it over by nine o'clock and start club night at 10 so as hardcore kids are coming out all these drunk kids and I drink, I'm not knocking drunk kids, but you know, like drunk frat kids that are waiting to get into a dance club and 
boom, someone says something stupid, fight. You know what I mean? And even if uh, there'd be times that wouldn't even be hardcore because you go down there on a Friday night, did Lansdowne Street would be fight after fight. It'd be like amateur hour because it. Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, even it mentions in in that video it says you walk yeah, down yeah. Lansdowne Street. Like you're going Absolutely. to get into a fight if you're a punk or hardcore kid. And now it's a little different. Like they don't, you know, Lansdowne Street's still there. Uh, it's just now. So there used to be a bunch of clubs. Um, and obviously this is what you get with backlash. I mean, they weren't at the, when the Boston beatdown came out, they really weren't doing shows there. And they weren't, they were never like hardcore clubs, right? They were just clubs that existed. And occasionally they put on hardcore shows, right? The rat used to be behind there, but the rat had already been closed. So they weren't like loyal to hardcore, you know, they just let us go in. If there was problems, they'd be like, all right, no more hardcore shows. So they stopped having hardcore shows there. And then, then all those clubs, Axis, Avalon, they were, they were, so you'd have like Bill's bar. That was like, you know, a few hundred capacity. Axis was a little bigger. That was the first place I saw biohazard and Avalon would be like the bigger club. So like, you know, if sick of it all, or like even big bands like corn and shit, like the Slayer would play there. So that all got broken down and now it's a house of blues. Um, so, I mean, I played the house of blues once with dropkick Murphy's like, cause they're cool as shit and asked us to play like five years ago, or it could have been a little longer, but like there's no hardcore venues there anymore. So we don't hang out there. Not, there's just no reason to right? like, you can't book a hardcore show at the house of blues. So yeah, it's, a, it's, it was just a different time and it in Boston was a little bit of a different place. Not saying like, if you went down on Lansdowne street right now, there wouldn't be a million fights after a Red Sox game. I just don't know. Like, cause there's no reason for us to be in that area. Cause they don't do hardcore shows. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. So, uh, I have one more thing about, about the video. See if you know the backstory behind this one, right before the clip shows, it, it talks about like some of the you know, some people were like assholes or bullies or whatever. But uh, what's up with that old dude who tried to grab the guitar and take it from somebody? Dude, this and is what so. Right. <laughs> what I mean, band was that? I don't know what band was playing. Do you? I, I think it was drug. This band, Drug Test from New Hampshire. I'm pretty okay. sure. I, it was a while ago, but it was a whole to do. Well, also at that time, right? So a bunch of my friends and people involved in making that dvd like they just had footage i mean there's there's so much footage that's not even sure, in there sure. and it got to the point where we're like all right dude, we're just gonna film all these like crazy fights out there um but anyways but people knew we were making i say we but i i wasn't really involved like you know I, my band's in it i was interviewed but i, I didn't make the damn thing but anyways mm -hmm. the people that are making it the, the word was out like amongst like the hardcore community like yo if you have any fights send them to us because whatever let's put out some cool fights like i said this goes along with like the bum fights thing and what i think happened don't quote me i wasn't there but that wasn't even in boston that was in new hampshire which isn't far but uh those dudes would come to boston shows i'm pretty sure it was just like a hall show and i think it was like drug test or something like that bands playing crazy old guy walks in like shut off your music and grabs a guitar and fight ensues but i like i said i wasn't there and it wasn't like quote unquote our people. It was just friends of ours, but they it was definitely a tape that was submitted. But I sure, I think sure. the backstory is like, you know, I mean, I played plenty of halls where like they're like, What? This is happening here? Like, no, shut you down. I just think some crazy drunk old guy <laughs> grabbed the guitar and some young kid was like, fuck this and hit him. And I don't know. There you go. Yeah. They, it, well, there's there's well, a part of boss to be down for you. Yeah, I mean, it even says like right before that clip, like I said, I said that sometimes shit happens for no reason, and we, right, you know, 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, I do. I I vaguely remember that. Like I said, I haven't I haven't seen that DVD in a long time. Um, yeah, you know, I think when that came out too, the people that didn't understand it like was like, oh, these bands just like promote violence. Um, and I get it. I mean, I see why you would think that, right? When you put out a bunch of fights from hardcore shows or outside hardcore shows with hardcore kids, uh you're definitely doing it so people will watch it, right? Who, you know, people watch bum fights. People watch, you know, what what's that fucking website that everybody watches now where people just get knocked out, whatever the case is. But, you know, people oh, gravitate yeah, to, like, Warstar. Yeah, you sure, know what I mean? Sure. Like, this, there's always an element of that. And I think that, you know, at that time, people were like, yo, we're going to put out our version of bum fights and we're going to tell a story in it. That's why I do, like, the language that's in there about, like, Boston. Because I was going to say, I travel around the world and people be like, oh, Boston Beatdown, it's cool. And then they'd be like, oh, I'm going to do this and that. And I think there's like an element, if you pay attention, there's like stuff in it that's uh, that's valuable and true. And then there's other element where people are like, yo, I'm just going to beat everybody up where I'm like, yo, it's one thing to fight when you have to. It's another thing for like mindless violence, I guess. And I can understand though. So, you know, we kind of had to deal with like a backlash to that in a negative way. Just like the bigger the band got, it was harder to be like people like, oh, you're on that Boston beatdown. You're going to come here and just beat everybody up. It's like, no, I got no reason to fight anybody. You know what exactly. I mean? I don't want to go around and destroy your clubs. Like I didn't even, you know, technically none of us really wanted fights to happen on that. It'd have been nice if we could have just done shows there forever, but weird place in Boston. That's why I always like, you know, I don't get, it's funny that you brought up. I, I mean, what year did that come out? That had to be like, Oh, three, Oh, four, three, or I think, oh, three or oh, four for sure. It was a long time ago, but like, you know, we've in Oh five death for dishonor, like, that's when we really kind of like, I say take off, but like where we really started touring. And like, you know, I remember being in Europe and people asking me and that kind of like blew my mind that I had made it there. So, you know, I'll never like, I'll never dog that video or dog Boston or dog, like anything. Like it was a part of history. There's definitely some shock to it. There's definitely whatever, but like, you know, and I, I haven't really had to talk about it a lot in a long time because, you know, now it's like that old, like a lot of people don't know about it. And, uh, yeah. um, it was it was definitely a weird time because people were like you know plus the music at the time was like getting heavier right hardcore had a lot of heavy bands so you know it was just it was interesting but yeah i i definitely think that uh it's definitely an interesting dvd i mean <laughs> it is i, I mean it, and there's lots of mixed opinions you know them of course i know them so but but you know and even at that time you know, I was, Absolutely. Like, I was like 17 when I seen it. And like, I had that exact like aggression and energy. Like this of fucking course, matches man. how I feel, you know, everything that was said in that video, you know, from everybody. From, Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. No, you're right. Well, like, from I you mean, to I, Buddha to Shabo, you know, all those words really resonated with any hardcore kid at that time. You know, Absolutely. Fight, maybe not, but just like, no, like you said, but that's the thing. Like, I, I think there's an, you know, there's an element just being young and aggressive and being involved in aggressive music or being around aggressive people like fights happen. Right. I'm not the guy that's like naive, you know, uh, yeah. but you're right. Like it, it definitely resonated with people. Cause I mean, it, it's no different than the music that comes with it. Right. Like all that heavy aggression or even if it's not heavy, like music speaks to you. Right. And if you're aggressive, if you're 17 years old and you're pissed off at the fucking world, you got something to listen, you got a soundtrack and then you had a video to follow your soundtrack. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Fuck yeah. <laughs> no, man. Good old days though. Um, so now, so we started touring with a uh, death before dishonor. How was it to like 
were you asked by like Rob to go with them in Ramallah and shit? Or how was that tour put together? Or, or was it <sighs> like I think I would, think. you know, like me, like you grew up around like uh, the start of his band for the most part. So I look at it from like if I was you, my mind would be fucking blown to be asked to go on tour with, you know, Ramallah. Um, yeah, dude, it was definitely a cool thing because I mean, I remember that wasn't the first. I remember seeing, uh, so I, I knew Blood for Blood. I mean, I knew those guys, or friends with those guys. Um, then he started doing Ramalics. I think at the time, Blood for Blood was kind of like on a hiatus. I, I forget. Um, but I remember the first time I saw Ramallah, they were on tour with Terror. They did like a handful of days. And I remember they played Boston. It was wild. And then um, I don't know how the tour came together. Maybe me and Rob talked. Rob wanted to do a full U.S. tour. We... I just done like some, we did a U.S. tour with Agnostic Front in 05, and then we were coming back from that. We did a Europe and a U.S. tour with Agnostic Front. That was actually the first time, no, not the first, we played Detroit on that tour. We should play Detroit maybe with Hate Inc. on that. I forget, Agnostic Front, Death for Dishonor, I think Full Blown Chaos. Anyways, um, so when we got back from that, we were talking just about doing a full U.S. tour. So like, yeah, I don't know if it was Rob per se or or maybe even Mike Gaten that was in the band, but we just talked and we were just like, yo, let's go out and do a tour and hit like, you know, grab Shattered Realm, grab fucking Suffocate Faster. You know, we knew Chris and them guys and it was super organic. You know what I mean? It was just a bunch of us talking like Ramona booked it. Like she wasn't quote unquote, our booking agency. Like it was super organic and a bunch of friends that just like wanted to go out on tour and just get out there. Fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I was psyched, man. It was just cool. It was cool too. Like, so we did, we became really good friends with Agnostic Front on that tour in 05. But like to go out with like a whole lineup of your friends' bands, because we knew the dudes in Suffocate Faster. We knew the guys in Shadow Realm. We knew the guys in Ramallah. It was just, it was cool. It was a great tour. Like, the shows were great. But, and this probably wild fucking stories. I don't know. This is so long ago, dude. I can't remember. But <laughs> yeah, it no, was, those are my glory days. It was, it was, it was a, it was a cool tour and a cool time. You know what I mean? Um, it was a long tour too, man. I think it was like four or five weeks. And then we, then even after that, we went to Europe with Ramallah. We did the tour there with them. That was wild too. Uh, Jeff was still in the band at the time. I think it was even after that European tour is where Ramallah kind of took a little hiatus. Um, okay. Yeah. Rob already lived in Detroit. Didn't he live in Detroit for a minute when he was in Ramallah? Yeah. 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 So I know when we, so when we went to Europe together, uh, I know Rob at that time was living in Detroit for sure. Uh, because he flew from Detroit. He wasn't in Boston at the time. Um, I don't know how long he lived there, but he definitely lived there for a little bit. Um, but yeah, that was a good time. That, that yeah. was 07. So he must have been living there like in 06, 07, something like that. Yeah, it was darker times for him then too. You know, the, his whole time in Detroit, I think. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, you know, yeah. Rob's always been somebody that's been fighting demons but he's seeing you know he seems to be doing good i mean rob's always been a great dude and always yeah. looked out for us you know um and it, an amazing fucking songwriter i guess you would call it i mean the dude like, writes he's fucking just a, amazing music just a star amongst you know the hardcore scene man there's something about him he's you know 100 out there you know honest with everything and you yeah know, one of the best of songwriters and you know on guitar and lyrics it's like yeah dude great singer deep, great writer deep. fucking deep. yeah dude and, and like i said those times too those 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 handful of tours um even the europe one was kind of long i mean those those were 
really cool times with fucking Ramallah. All them dudes that were in the band. It was it was it was rad. Shit, you're speaking of fucking tour. How did you end up from going to Russia? <laughs> well, dude, I mean, we do we in 05 when like, my friend's family forever came out you've been all uh, over man is there any yeah at this point we i haven't been, been to <laughs> been australia twice we went once with Madball once we headlined i've been to japan i've been to like indonesia we've been to thailand we've been to singapore i haven't been to like hong kong or like china and stuff like that i'd really like to um we've been all over south america central america mexico yeah i mean pretty much the only places i haven't been that i'd really like to go to is like I'd like to go some more in that Southeast Asia. We never played the Philippines or anything like that. I wanted to um, Malaysia, but yeah. So dude, we just toured a lot. Oh, five friends. When ever came out on bridge nine and um, agnostic front uh, had a European tour. We had never, we've never really, we did a lot of weekends up until that point. You know, we were kind of just building the band, building the band. We flew to California once and did a week with the hoods. I don't, you know what? Mikey hoods booked the tour. They played a few of the shows, but, it wasn't a tour with the hoods. You know what I mean? Uh, Mikey came on the whole tour, but he hooked us up there. So that was only like the, you know, aside from a week here and there. And then uh, we just recorded friends family forever. That was coming out on bridge nine. And that was like, we kind of felt like we were starting to be like a real band, you know, like going from like young kids to like kind of learning what we're doing. And, and we always wanted to be a band and just get out there and tour. And so Oh five uh terror cancels off an agnostic front tour in europe somebody in europe hears friends feeling forever before it's out um ono cromag did rest in peace um and he hit up bridge nine and was like yo does death for i want to do this tour and we ended up going to europe with agnostic front for six weeks and then that led into a u.s tour at agnostic front without that that would have been huge so that really got us into europe and we kept on going back to europe touring the states we were touring 200 to 250 days a year between 06 and 09 we were out there all the Damn. time any tour a lot of it was europe like because of that agnostic front tour and uh we hooked up with a booking agent mad that does agnostic front and after that we headlined europe and then we went back with ramallah and we constantly went back to europe sometimes we go to europe two three times a year and the kids in europe are very like um they're super into it. You know, states were good too, but Europe was like something different, you know? And, uh, we just kept on touring and touring and touring. But yeah, when you get to that point in Europe, all of a sudden, you know, Oh, we're going to fly you from Germany to do a couple shows in Russia. Cool. And then, you know, Oh, you're going to go to the Ukraine. And I mean, we've done weird Eastern Europe stuff, you know, we played a lot of countries that are just weird. Um, very fortunate too. Um, cause when you get to play in those places that don't, Granted, a lot more bands go to Russia now, but when you play in those places that don't get a lot of bands, they appreciate it way more. So, you know, crazy fucking reactions from the crowd, just just really cool interactions. Just seeing really organic, like hardcore scene there, it, it's sick. Also, yeah. you're like in Russia, which is just wild, you know. Yeah, I, mean, I noticed like uh, I don't have a lot of people that like follow my podcast, but like my third like the area that follows me most is in Europe, like, like Finland yeah. and, and That's Spain. Cool. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> you know, it's not a lot, but, but there is an no, audience still cool. there. Yeah. I know, I've, I know Europe loves American hardcore and shit. They have their own scene. Yeah. But, There's a lot of great bands from Europe. Beautiful. They've come a long way. Um, and, and they've always had good bands, but like nowadays European bands are fucking amazing. And I think fucking one thing about Europe is I, I feel like they tend to, I don't know, like when I first started going to shows, you know, you read thanks lists and like, you know, try to learn the past or figure out stuff in Europe, kids in Europe, they still have that 
and I'm not knocking kids from the States because I'm just saying like they have that organic, like, Oh, this old band, let me find, you know, you hear a new band and it trickles down to what band are they influenced by? And, and they'll kind of do their homework. You know what I mean? So, uh, it's not surprising that, you know, they'll be like, Oh, you know, you've had some, I'm sure you between the coldest life and just, just the the guests you get probably intrigue them from like bands they've heard of. So, you know, they're, they're pretty loyal to their music. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's great, man. Because you know they reach out, you know, say you know whatever about them. I'm like, Absolutely. I'm like, thank you. It's fucking weird, but okay. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Yeah, I mean, and I'm sure you hear from other bands that have been, you know, like the the OGs, like you know, Agnostic Front, Madball, Sick of It All, mm-hmm. all these bands. I mean, Europe is a big factor for them because you know, the states come and go, right? Like you know, you just, you have yeah. peaks and boundaries and in Europe, it's just the music there is just a little different. And it, it, that's what I, that's why I always like, you know, I'm not dogging on kids from the U S or anything like that. It's just, it's like in their culture. Right. So their festivals are way bigger than our festivals. Oh, they're yeah. like, they're like three days long and they're, they're, they're just such like a crossover there. And, and you've seen it more now in the States, but like, that's, that's always how it's been. And they go out there for three days and they camp and they fucking hang out and just have a good time. But, but I also think like, even from schools, like nowadays in our, our schools, you, you barely see music being quote unquote taught where arts and, and, and sub arts and music and all that shit is still very important to their culture. So I think it translates into hardcore as well. You know what I mean? If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, was there anything like weird like going into Russia, like a difference, like a customs like procedure or anything, or is it just like anywhere? Oh else? yeah, um, yeah. Because you think of no. Russia, you're like that's a fucking weird place. So yeah, for Russia, we've been we've been in Russia. See, it's crazy. We've been in Russia like four, three or four times at this fucking point. But if, I remember the first time, like, so if you go to Europe or in it, when I say Europe, I mean Germany, all like the mainland countries. You basically just fly, you just need a passport. You fly in, they might ask you a couple of questions. For Russia, you have to get a special visa and it's like seven pages that you've got to fill out ahead of time. And then they uh-huh. give you like this special thing in your passport. So once you get that and you go to Russia, it's not weird because like it's not like a huge thing at customs because like they already did the background checks on you. So as long as you have that, you're good. If you don't have that, they don't even let you in. But it's it is super culture shock when you get in there. Um, you know it's it's a little more like old school you know you see the crazy hats on the fucking <laughs> the officers there and shit like that it's it's definitely like oh shit i'm in russia but like i said i've been there a few times at this point and it's like i guess that culture shock goes away a little bit um it's definitely weird but but yeah once you, you know there's a few different countries that you got to like fill out those visas ahead of time and those are like the little more stricter countries but usually they make sure you have that shit ahead of time dude honestly it's hard to get in the fucking canada than russia i spend more time at the fucking border going through shit than because russia you, you do all that paperwork ahead of time so you're good to go yeah yeah and, and you know as an american you know you can f- smuggle anything into canada so it's like- <laughs> right 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 right, right, right. <laughs> well, um but yeah russia's cool man i you know we've been very fortunate to be around the world and see a lot of different uh different hardcore scenes oh, uh a lot of different hardcore scenes and different you know i when i say cultures i mean cultures within hardcore you know what i mean it's coming from growing up here and just going to shows in brockton or boston and being able to see the world and see like how different people react to different things whether you're in spain or south america it's definitely dope yeah yeah that's gotta be 
you know, kind of interesting to go to like a, a Spanish-speaking country somewhere in South America because I know you guys are going to a Colombia soon, right? Yeah, yeah. We got a festival. Uh, it got postponed till September, but it looks like it's going to happen. We've been oh, there okay. a couple times, but yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's in Bogota. Yeah. yeah, like a Spanish-speaking country, and they all know you know the English, English-speaking fucking hardcore lyrics. And I know Absolutely. a lot of other places know more English than you know other yeah. places, but but it, it's still interesting. Yeah, it seems like you know, you know we. Here, like, I don't know, I remember, I barely remember, but in high school, they'd be like, you know, you can take French or Spanish, but like, you know, when I travel around the world, a lot of these countries, like, they make you take English in school, so a lot of these kids grow up, you know, knowing the language, but like you said, I mean, it's mind-blowing to be in Bogota, Colombia, and everybody speaks Spanish, and yet they're singing lyrics to our song you know what i mean it's fucking amazing you know or you're in poland and fucking everybody's you know it's it's definitely a surreal feeling you know that's one thing you you know i get older this band's been around for a while i still love doing it and there's something about that like by no means do we and this isn't even fucking like saying it trendy like that for honors not making a shit ton of money but there's something about going to you know, I, I said this when I was a kid, like I could go to a different state and kids could sing along. That'd be sick. And then I got to go to Philly and Connecticut. And then I was like, man, if I could tour Europe and then have people sing the lyrics, you know what I mean? It's these small goals oh, and you yeah. finally get there. And it's like, dude, I'm in fucking where? And these kids know the fucking words like dude, this. This is a win. Like no money can ever fucking, you know, granted money always helps. But I mean, there's a reason <laughs> why I still do it. You know what I mean? It's the love for right. that and the love for like you know, whether it's playing a show in Boston or Detroit or playing a show in Berlin, Germany. I mean, it, all that stuff. I love it all, man. It's all cool. That's fucking great. Like, so when you're going to Europe or you're getting invited to do these tours and everything, is like the upfront, like investment, is it worth it? Are you breaking even or are you spending um, money like, the entire time to do it? Like, I, I don't know how it works. I, I just, well, it all really depends. Had that so, like, yeah, so it, it all really depends. Um, most of the time when you're going to Europe, I mean, even in the beginning. So like when, for example, this is a very simple one. When we got asked to go to Europe with Agnostic Front, it was super last minute. And Agnostic Front does well. So they had a, they had a bus and we would be on the bus because these buses too, it's not like Agnostic Front, Rockstar bus. It actually makes more sense because the buses in Europe are double-deckers, right? They have 20 beds in it. So you can technically fit three bands on it. And that way, so I mean, when you book a, sh when you get a tour in Europe, you just hope like the costs cover the flights and hotels and transportation, right? Not each show is going to pay for it. You just add up the guarantee and you do the math kind of on what a van is to rent and the driver and whatever. So, for example, a smaller band like us gets asked to go to Europe with Agnostic Front. Now, they're like, you have to buy your own tickets, but everything else is paid for, right? Because I'm on a bus, right? And they're feeding you every day. I don't need to get a hotel room. I don't have to worry about gas. So that's a no-brainer. So what do you got to do? You got to come up with a couple grand in plane tickets, right? I mean, I didn't have it. Bridge Nine fronted. This is like 05. But you do the math, right? So if it's like, I think, you know, for example, that time, tickets for four dudes to go to Europe was... Two, two grand a piece but yo we're going to europe once we're there it costs us nothing you sell merch every day and boom it's still a risk right but the risk is only recouping whatever your plane tickets were and luckily 
we didn't know what to expect. And luckily we did really well. We actually did recoup the plane ticket. So did I come home with a bunch of money? Not because as soon as I paid bridge nine back for the plane tickets and paid off the merch. Yeah. We made a couple bucks, but every tour is different, right? So if you're asked to be on a tour, they might give you like, Hey, you guys get paid X amount a night and you get your plane tickets. And it's like, cool. If you're headlining a tour, then you assume all the responsibility based on whatever guarantees you're getting from each show. But basically your booking agent there kind of gives it to you. Like, all right, you got 19 shows and this is your guarantee. And here's a rough estimate on gas and van and but it, it's it's always a risk, right? So you go there and say a fucking van breaks down and three shows get canceled. Well, three shows and no guarantees and no merch. Oh, yeah. That fucks you, right? Everything's always a risk. You know what I mean? So it's like, uh, that's the weird thing about touring, right? I mean, you can be like, yo, last time I we went to Europe, we did so well. This time we're going to kill it. It could be a bust, man. You never know, right? It's always yeah. a risk. But yeah. But yeah, you kind of like get an idea and every tour is different based upon if you're headline, even if you're booking your own tour, right? It's no different than having an agent because you would hit up 10 clubs in Europe and be like, yo, DVD's coming over. What can you offer us? And they say, 500 bucks, cool, 500 bucks, cool, we'll feed you. And then you do the math and you go, all right, well, plane tickets to this and that should cancel that out. You know, even when our agent books us to go over there, like we still got to pay for the plane tickets. It just comes out of the guarantee unless, a band, you know. Hell yeah. No, man, yeah. I like that. Like, it's like, well, there's a lot more into it than just like, hey, we're going Absolutely. on tour. There's so much yeah. fucking to it. And it's something I never even think of. Like, I'm so excited for, for, for like the bands to come around. And then, right. you know, when you hear the breakdown of what, how you go on tour, like maybe people will buy more fucking merch. You help you guys out. Cause you ain't making money yeah. on music no more. You just can't sell CDs. That's right. That's right. Right. So, and, and, and even uh, like a band away, like our level from your tour food and shit, probably not selling uh, CDs. Uh, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, everything affects it, right? Because there's just not a lot of money to be had. Even with like the mm -hmm. the biggest of the bands, you know, they still struggle too. Sure. I mean, yeah. The, yeah. No, the I bigger the that. band is, the more the more overhead there is. But yeah, there is a lot that goes into it. That like you know, I mean, you got that's why bands that like tour constantly are like you know, we used to tour like crazy, and I kind of had to step back for a little bit. I just had personal stuff going on. But I mean, you just always assume a risk. And the smaller the band is, the bigger the risk is, right? So like. You know, if you're getting a hundred, you know, say you're, it's your first tour and you're getting a hundred bucks a night, but if your drives are six, 12 hours, I mean, there's, that's your gas money. Right. So then you're like, all right, cool. How do we eat? Now you hope you sell shit. But yeah, I mean, technically I've always like, I've looked at every tour as like a risk, but you've got to take those risks, especially in this music. Cause it's like, you, you hardly ever get that offer that you're like, dude, this is so sick. We're going to be so comfortable. You're like, just fuck it. We're going to do it. And, and honestly, like this type of music, right? You always rely on your, like, quote unquote, your fans. So, you know, kids buy merch. That shit helps, man. Like, you know, and even that, like, I mean, you don't get all that money, right? You had to pay to get it printed, but sure. you make do. But that's why, you know, it's the underground too. You know, that's why you live a little more dirty and you're fucking... Sometimes you got to sleep in the van. Sometimes, you know, even, even to this day, like a lot of us, if we're, if we're on tour and we're getting a, say we're lucky to get a hotel room. And when I say hotel room, I mean like a super eight, but we get two beds and we split the beds and someone sleeps on the floor. And that's what it is. We ain't got, why are we get, you know, even if we could afford that extra room, why are we going to do that? Like, cause then that's less money to go home with if there is, you know, or yeah, exactly. the just in case money when your van loses its transmission in Reno, which has happened to us and you're stuck there for four days. You know what I mean? yeah fuck but yeah yeah but you know just 
how I said, you know, whether you break even or whatever, just that experience alone to be fortunate enough to go do that. And that's what you're doing it for. I get that. That's not like money's not a question in this whole, you right, know, this right. whole conversation. It's just right. like, uh, you know, just is the investment, you know, obviously it is. You've been there fucking, you know, 25 times probably. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like, dude, uh, you know, the longer a band is, you definitely have to like, the longer you've been in a band, like granted, I mean, that's why we've gone through members. I mean, a lot of people do because people want to start families, have houses, do all this stuff. Like, you know, when you're going on tour and you're taking a risk, it's really hard. And and some of the bigger bands luck out a little bit. Um, but there's, it's still a risk because you're like, yo, if I can't pay my mortgage. Like I don't have kids, so I'm able to tour. Like our, I say original bass player, guitar player, Frankie, who's still a part of the band. He doesn't tour all the time. He barely tours. He plays at home, but he had a kid. He couldn't to him going on the road. Like, He's like, dude, I got to take this union job. And I like mm-hmm. understand and totally respect sure. that because, because there is that insecurity of being on the road. And like you said, you're doing it because you love it. And if you have like, and and there's people that can do it with kids at home and make it work. I, I mean, our bass player has two, our, our new bass player has two kids. Granted, he has a plumbing business and he can put away money to go on tour. You know, we're in a different place, but it's really hard, man. There's, there's like you said, there's so much risk and it's like, but you do it because you love it. I mean, otherwise, how the fuck are you doing it, right? Um, right. And it, you would hope to just break even, but I don't know, dude. There, there's something about just going on the road and being like, fuck it, dude, we're going to have fun. And just like, and not that it's always fun, but just just play play your music to different people across the world, man. That shit's rad, you know? Fuck yeah, it's rad. That's, you know, to know you can go somewhere and and someone's heard of your shit and, you know, they get Absolutely. to see everyone's fucking excited. Um Absolutely. Yeah. And all the friendships you make around the world with people that Fuck you would yeah. never have met in all these different cities or countries or whatever, you know? Yeah. yeah my fat ass starts thinking about like the food in different countries and shit. Like what kind of, you know, schnitzel yeah. or fucking Dude, pork chops cool in too. Germany or. Absolutely, yeah. man. Yeah. You've been to Italy that's... or no? Yeah. Yeah. We've been, dude. I don't think there's a country in Europe proper that we haven't been to. Yeah. We've been to Italy so many times, Spain so many times, uh, Germany, Netherlands. Portugal, um, even down in like we've been a we've been to Serbia a bunch of times, Bulgaria. Oh shit! Um, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, Bulgaria. Dude. Yeah. What about like the Middle East? Anywhere over there, or is that just no, like I'm, illegal? <laughs> no, we. It, it, well, it's like a lot more of a risk to get there. Okay. I'm not a lot, and I've even met bands from like Israel and stuff like that. Um, we we were talking to somebody about getting somewhere close to there. It never worked out. I feel like I feel like Hatebreed's been to Israel. There's been a few bands, uh, you know, that have done it. But you know, stuff like that. Some of it is just like travel restrictions, right? Like mm-hmm. having an American passport. Some of those countries are a little wild to get there. It's a huge risk. But I, I'm all see. I always love going to weird places and new places. So we were talking to some people over there, and then. Obviously, it was actually right before the pandemic, so that kind of fucked everything up. But I, I we weren't a hundred percent go, and I forget exactly where it was going to be. But it was some Middle Eastern shows, and it was definitely going to be a risk, but it would have been cool. Um, so hopefully, we can revisit that at some point. Yeah, the closest I've been is like Turkey, and that's not that's like right before you get into quote unquote like the Middle East or the Asian side. But um, that's that's about it shit man yeah you know it sucks because you guys had just fucking put out that uh, new album right like just before this whole shit went down absolutely and i don't even know what month you put it out but it was 2019 right 
Yeah, it came out July two, 2019. Actually, the day it came out, we played. Uh, oh, like, yeah, this is hardcore. Yeah. This is hardcore. Yeah, that was like yeah. our quote unquote CD release. Like, luckily, Joe put us on that. Uh, yeah, so it came out um, July 2019. We, we had a little bit of time with it. So, you know, we did that. We went to Europe with Terror. We uh, then, we, you know what? I think that Isn't December. That yep. Were you on that? No, no, it wasn't Persistent Story. It was just us and Terror did a. Uh, Terror oh, had a headlining okay. tour. It was, us, it was Terror, us. Uh, Lions Law and Jesus Peace. That was in like November. Then, then after that is when we went to Detroit. You know, we did some shows, and then, then in February, in early March, we were in California with Madball and Section Hate, and that was right before the pandemic. And then, boom, pandemic hits and fucking everything. Yeah, we went. We it had been ten years since we put out a record. We finally put out a record, and a fucking pandemic hit. Go fucking figure. <laughs> it's just my uh, life. Yeah, but luckily, you know, I will say I, I am happy that we got it out before the pandemic actually hit. You know what I mean? Because it would have sucked waiting even more. But whatever, man. Like, yeah, I'm psyched on that record. I think it came out great. I know it's been it was a long time since we put out a record, but I'm psyched on it. And like, when things get back to normal, we're just gonna push that record and try to get out there and fucking tour off of it. Yeah, that was be my next question. Were you guys just sort of just gonna work off that album still, or or is there anything else in the works? I'm sure you guys have been getting together at least. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we have. We uh, you know, I mean, we had to. It, you have to get fucking and knock the dust off, get that throat back, yeah. huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We so you know throughout the pandemic, you know, we have a rehearsal space. My guitarist lives like an hour away, so it's a little bit or like an hour and a half, so it's a little more for him to get out here. Not that it's crazy, but um. Yeah, we were getting here and there. We 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 started writing some more stuff. Um, we definitely like you know it sucks to like put out a record and play like, and, and mind you, so like I said, we hadn't put out a record in like ten years for multiple reasons. But we were still a band, and we're finally at the point where the record's out. We've been kind of picking up touring a little more. We really wanted to just do a lot with this record, just try to go to a lot of places we haven't been to in years. And then this hit. So obviously, when we come out of this, we're going to try to pick up where we left off. But with that said, we definitely like have been writing some stuff. So like maybe like bust out a seven inch or something, just something newer, just, just because now it's been a couple of years. I don't know how soon, but yeah, we've been getting together every now and again, writing, just rehearsing. Um, plus with this show coming up even more so. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll, we definitely plan on, you know, whatever we are allowed to do. Like we were supposed to go to Europe this summer, last summer, it got postponed to this summer. This, then it got postponed till next summer. So, and then <laughs> As soon as we're allowed to, we will be back out there for sure. And hopefully, you know, the, the, the 10 years that it took to put this record out won't happen again. That was just like, you know, a multitude of reasons, nothing crazy. Just like my dad got sick. I got married, member changes, all these things. But, you know, we'll, we definitely, whether it's this year or next year, you know, it's like, we'll, we'll definitely be putting out more stuff and being way more active than we were in the last, like, four or five years before 2019 you know what i mean yeah yeah that's f great news you know something some, something to look forward to for you and myself you know absolutely man yeah it's for sure yeah we're, we're like in a good place where we're we can tour and you know willing to take some opportunities plus with that record that we're psyched on we just want to push it and just whatever man just go out and have a good time nice yeah a little, all right, i got a silly question for you <clears throat> If you could have have one one Boston band come back that's not together anymore, come back to do a show with or just go see, who would it be? That's tough. Boston band. Or, I mean, Massachusetts. No, I know what you're saying. I'm just thinking in general, like, to come yeah. back. I mean, it's tough because so many bands have come back. I mean, 
I mean, dude, I can go down a rabbit hole of obscure <laughs> bands that no one else. You know, it'd be cool just because I was listening to them the other day, and it's, I, I would say, Reach the Sky. I really like Reach the Sky. They're more melodic, but. Yeah, um, fuck yeah, man. You know, that's a band that I saw a bunch when I was younger, and I almost got into them more the older I got. And see, it's tough to say because they have played within, they did a reunion, like, I think they played the last Bane show. Anyways, I don't know. Bands come back. There's none that'll like that i have yeah haven't You're so been able school. to They're see like your friends oh shit well it's not even just that i mean I, I lucked out in a time and a place of music that i was into like i i i didn't grow up like listening to like ssd i i respect ssd and, and bands like that but i that wasn't like my shit you know what i well, mean wrecking um, crew. you like wrecking crew yeah i like wrecking crew but i also got to play uh, a reunion show with wrecking crew so like okay. and that was like the original lineup bridge and i put out a re-release of theirs and we were lucky to play like a wrecking crew reunion i don't know 10 years ago that was sick yeah and as a kid so also as a kid though i got to see wrecking crew a few times so i never like missed that that they i love wrecking crew they're one of my favorite bands you know um i was lucked i always kind of lucked out being from here so when you say boston bands it's like there's not that many unless it's an obscure band that didn't come back or i didn't catch them at a certain point you know what i mean um i'm a guy that like i really respect stuff from like um the 80s like the founding bands like i said like the ssds or the gang greens and i've even oh, seen yeah. Gang green but but that's not like um that's not my favorite you know what i mean so when you're like if you could do anything i never go back to these super old bands because i'm like toxic narcotic <laughs> yeah i've seen toxic narcotic it, I, I actually yeah dude i've seen toxic narcotic play with like the unseen or something like that um i love the unseen though Fucking yeah I still got mark sings on roots. a mark sings on one of our songs on the better ways to die record he's a okay. good friend of mine yeah. i see him all the time yeah one of my first punk shows ever was uh, two with two boston bands it was uh dropkick and avoid yep. one thing okay but, cool. um uh, the uh, casualties play played with them too man so that was uh, casualties are dope yep yeah that was my first like you know, besides like a Ted Nugent concert with my dad, that was like the first right, punk right. show I ever been to, man. I was I went by myself. I was fucking like sixteen. Like holy shit, yeah, dude. I mean, that's why, like you said, even in the beginning, like Boston has like really, like I said, Mark Unseen sings on Our Glory Days from Better Ways to Die. Like that dude's like my actual friend. Like we hang out all the time. That's so uh, cool, this, man. Yeah, I mean, you know, Boston's a not a big city. Like it's a big city, but not a big city. You know, people like Boston, New York. Boston's way smaller than New York. You know, Boston, like you kind of everybody kind of knows each other and everybody kind of has to exist or not exist amongst the same small world and the same like handful of venues that do hardcore shows in Boston. So that's why it's and I think like the whole like working class, like that's just the type of city it is. I think it's very intertwined. But yeah, I mean, that's why it's tough, like. I don't know. I, I appreciate so many Boston bands. I don't know. That was a tough question because I can't really think of <laughs> yeah. a band. Hey, hey, hey. I'm you're like an OG though, so you've fucking seen it all. But uh, uh, I mean, there's more. I wish I could have saw. I'm sure. I'm sure I missed some bands. And like I said, mm-hmm. there's a weird aspect of me coming in, and I, I appreciate older bands. Um, I I was fortunate to catch a lot of bands at a lot of times that you know, even if I didn't realize I liked those bands. You know what I mean? That's why it was easier for me to say, like, reach the sky and. I, I i liked ian's old band and then i don't know i never really connected with reach the sky till like later in life i'm like damn this band's fucking amazing like i wish i could just they would play again and i could just appreciate it that's all yeah yeah well, well i'll tell you my boston band well i got two 
<laughs> but one I think is the most underrated and fucking not not around the longest and should have been around a lot longer was Righteous Jams, man. Whatever happened to them? What the fuck? Um, <laughs> so I, I mean, I was lucky enough to play with Righteous Jams. Uh, Righteous Jams was did, like, you know, yeah, we did a times. bunch of shows with them. Uh, yeah. We actually played a fucking show with them in Belgium one time too. It was really cool because our friends. Uh, I think the singer, I forget why they broke up. Um, I, I I know the singer moved to New York. I want to say maybe for school or a job or something. Don't quote me. I, I can't remember. Right. But Joey C had like an opportunity to move New York. I mean, everybody kind of in that band kind of just moved. Like the uh, Nathan moved to California to start working on movies. Like I I I don't know if that's why they broke up, but I know a lot. Of, you know, uh, Paul that played in the band for a while. Yeah, dude. I think everybody just kind of went in different directions, but that was that was a dope band. That was really one of my them. favorite fucking like, and they're so different from like a lot yeah. of the Boston bands to me. Like, not as heavy, but still, you know, anybody can find you know the lyrics and just a lot different sound. It's more like a, it's like a, Def- it's definitely like Chromags. Old... I don't even know how to describe them. No, no. It's I, I always consider them more of like a like a throwback to like those early like 80s style bands that like but done really fucking well you know what i mean yeah, uh, they definitely have a unique like sound them, man. like no they have a unique sound man i i always like seeing righteous jams so, like i said i mean we were fortunate to you know we're playing shows locally at the time they're playing shows locally so you know and yeah. they were good friends of ours but yeah I, I think dudes just moved away for you know different reasons and like i said i don't know if the band broke up before that or you know yeah it is what it is yeah, man, if that band ever happened again, I'd be so happy. But I don't know if it will. Like, they're probably just on different paths, doing totally different yeah. things, unrelated. Yeah. But I mean, I'll say this: so Nathan that played guitar, and it, I, I don't know who was a founding member. Like Joey sees like the singer, but Nathan does that show Mayans on FX. Like he's out in California, like doing movies, like oh, in TV shit. shows. He's the director. He's like he took over for Kurt Sutter, but yeah, that's that's. It was Elgin in yeah, that show. Elgin, so they're all yeah. related because of that. Is that how it was like a hookup from that? No, no. I mean, he was in. He was from Boston. He moved out to California just because you know he had a lot to do with the Boston beatdown too. He just always wanted to get in movies, and um, he was he played guitar in Righteous Gems, and then he moved out to California. He was also in Wrecking Crew at one point and Four Fifty Four Big Block. So he moved out to California just to do movies, and somehow. I, I don't know. I haven't, I don't know his path to get into it, but he had made a couple independent movies, blah, blah, blah. And he ended up becoming a producer, writer type thing for Mayans. So he writes for that show. Shout out. That's fucking sweet, man. You know? Yeah. Say. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, I'm so if you look in the grand scheme of things, I'm sure shit like Mayans is probably taking precedence over like a, Oh yeah. Uh, of course, a of but, or something, but, but it's, yeah, it's pretty cool. That. That's that was the guitar play of Righteous Jams though. Right. It was weird, you know, like random people like me are still hoping for the day and he's fucking just so moved on completely out of that world. I mean as far as right. like, what you're saying. I'm sure he's still connected with he yeah, yeah, he's yeah. definitely still you know, yeah, he's he's doing sure. a, yeah. a fucking a TV show on a network fucking television station. That's so crazy. But yeah, it's wild. Um, and also and I don't know if this ever happened, is uh since the flood, man. You talked to any of those guys? Yeah, I mean, oh, you know what? They did a reunion. They did like a benefit. A friend of theirs passed away and they played the Middle East three, four years ago. So they did come back and play. And their bass, so I used to, we used to play all the time together. Their bass player, 
joined Depth for Dishonor for a while. Rob was in the band for many years. Um, and that was the bass player since the flood. And then, yeah, they definitely broke up for a little bit, but they did a reunion type show. Like I said, maybe four or five years um, at the Middle East. And I was there for that. That was cool. That's fucking sweet. <laughs> and, uh... Yeah, another band that like, you know, we just kind of like came up around the same time. So we used to play with them quite a bit. You know, yeah, they're good friends. Still good friends. I mean, I see their drummer all good dudes you know what i mean still see him yeah. around every now and again yeah what, what about a colin of arabia one of my other favorite i, I never seen them either i only seen i only seen colin in person one time he's playing with you guys you came i think with Madball. you guys came and played somewhere uh in the detroit area did he play, play with you guys right or am i mistaken he didn't i know at one point so there was a show in detroit it was like mount clemens you know what? You know what? There was a show that I had to fly home for a family emergency. Colin was there. I was Colin there. Oh, you know what? What did COA play? No. I know Colin's been in Detroit a couple times with Death Order Sonner. One time I was not there. Um, Frankie, my guitar player, bass player, dude that's been in the band forever that can't tour. He sang for me for an emergency. I, I know also Colin sang for Amala once or twice in well, at least once in Detroit. Like Rob didn't make it and Colin filled in. So I don't know if you saw him with Death Before Dishonor, but for some reason I am thinking the the tour when I flew home and Colin was there was like Death Before Dishonor and First Blood or something like that. But yeah, uh, I, I think uh Verse played that show, I believe. Huh. Verse was on that show or I don't see I, I don't man, you've done so many shows, so it's all right to you. But like, I do like know a story of, of Colin for sure being in, in, in Detroit one time, but I mean it could have been I don't remember. But I also you know in oh I think I lost you. Seven okay, we did the US tour for that Am I good? Yeah. yeah. I hear you. All right, we good. All right, cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, so in 08 or 07 or 08, we did a U.S. tour with Black My Heart, DVD, COA, and Fight Like Hell. That might have played Detroit. I don't know. Okay, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. For some reason, I thought I'd never seen them, but uh, I remember Fight Like Hell, and uh, you yeah, guys yeah. coming through. So for sure, there's been some fucking yeah. so many. Man. But yeah, COA is still. I mean, they play every now and again. I mean, Colin's one of my best friends. I see him all the time. Um, sure uh yeah he's a great front man it's that band's always wild and fun to see i mean I, colin's one of my favorite front men of all time but and one of my greatest friends but yeah um they're a fun band to play with like i said another band we were lucky enough to tour with and you know when we did the that was like when count me and came out we did a headlining tour and we were able to bring all out you know we did a, black my heart was our good friends coa and, and fight like hell that was a really cool tour and a cool time Fuck yeah. 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 And I mean, you know, when you got a tour like that, like a bunch of Boston bands, like it's like, yeah, it's a little intimidating. Like when, uh, yeah. You know, you guys would come through, man. Like, I was like, oh shit, here fucking comes the Boston yeah. bands coming to fuck shit up. <laughs> uh, no, no, that's how I felt though. Well, like, you already no, said, I, I like, you know, yeah, you never I understand how it's perceived absolutely yeah. all the Boston yeah. bands. You're like, what the fuck am I about to walk into? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and uh, do I got this wrong? There's another weird thing you might not even remember, but at one of those shows, one of those tours, did you guys used to do a uh, clobbering time cover? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
we would we would just do the intro of uh stick of dolls clobbering time we did it okay. we did that for years it was fucking i used to love doing it especially like if a dumb fight happened we would play clobbering time but we yeah, would also yeah we love doing that shit we haven't done that in years i, I forgot it. about that yep absolutely because i heard it's clobbering time i was like oh shit what the fuck that's one of the first yep. time all uh, you guys came through man everybody's went fucking crazy and uh, yeah yeah i remember that you're like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> it happens all the time. I forgot about it. No, I, I forgot no. about Clover Town. No. That's cool. That's a cool throwback. I forgot that we used yeah. to. Yeah, it's just things that like people in my age and in my generation like take, you know, with them. Like, yep, you, know, you remember that cool shit. shit yep. They remember seeing, man. So absolutely, but, that's super rad, dude. Yeah, great. Hey, look, I mean, we've been doing about an hour and a half here now, but uh, cool. I think we covered a lot, man. We fucking talked some shit, had a good time. What do you think? You got any? Anything to say? If you can pass on something to the younger hardcore generation, what um, would it be? Some wise words. Wise words, man. I don't know. <laughs> Just love it, man. Love it. Fucking live it. Um, show up support. Definitely show up support. But yo, know, start your band. Start your scene. Like you know, all that stuff matters. You know, it's not just not just older bands, not just younger bands. Like everybody, man. Start your band. Put on a show. I mean, the day and age of doing a zine, but like even you doing a podcast, all that shit. Like you know, get involved, man, and and, and like care about it you know and i i know people come and go and like you said like there's things in life that you know priorities come and go but just just love it man enjoy it man and just have fucking fun with it man look at the world man Where, who would have thought like for a year shit would be taken away for us it's like yo don't take that shit for granted and just enjoy it man yeah yeah that's kind of why i started the whole thing because you know not like going to shows and kind of yeah. sucks and and i mean it's not even i can say i have like being a little bit selfish like just to talk to people like you i think it's fucking cool and if somebody else is interested in the conversation you know great but well I dude think, i mean i think about back in the day right so back in the day you'd have to like you know there'd be zines and that's that that's the farther and few between but now you know you can do interviews via podcast that everybody can hear so i mean i that's what i mean like i think it's cool getting involved like if you're doing a podcast that's sick you know if you do you can't do shows right now you know so anything man is like awesome you know sure yeah well i mean i was talking to this other guy from this old punk uh detroit band he was telling me that you know like to keep the scene going like somebody has to fucking do it you can't just wait for absolutely somebody else right, to do a show every time you know it's easy to call a venue or you know whoever absolutely. what does it cost to you know rent the space for a few hours at a night and I didn't realize, like, like what the fuck we waiting for, man. And, like, this shit could be bigger if more people gave a fuck. And yeah, like, it's tough, man. Yeah, yeah. For sure. But whatever. When when people grow up and shit like that, but like somebody like me, like you know, I'm pretty stable now. If I could do something for somebody or for the scene, man, you know, that's just well, dude. Even like I said, I even this do. podcast, man, you're just you know, even having these conversations and it gives people something to listen to that's you know about hardcore, you know, for an hour, two hours of their time. It's, especially in a time when we don't have hardcore, you know what I mean? So it's definitely yeah. cool. For sure. Great. Yeah. Well, once again, I appreciate you coming on and, um, you know, I wish you all the best. I can't wait for this shit to be over with. I hope your show goes great next week. I'm sure you're looking absolutely. forward to that. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely looking forward. And, uh, hopefully, yeah, things get back to normal, somewhat normal. And we get through, come through Detroit again soon. I miss Detroit. Detroit. So it was great. Yeah. yeah we'll so. sure be there. We'll chill. Awesome. All my right. man. I appreciate Thanks. the time, brother. Yeah, man. All right. Take it easy, I man. Later.